In this episode of the podcast, we meet Tiffany Williams and Kylie Summers, who are co-founders at Diversity Fund Houston, an early-stage micro-venture fund located in Houston. Diversity Fund Houston was created to invest in minority tech founders during the Friends and Family Round, as well as provide opportunities for them to learn, scale, and prepare for their first institutional round of financing and solve problems impacting their communities. You know, some of the people in, in the channel here are people that are in my uh, one-year private equity venture rotation program. And uh, we've got some other people that are like emerging managers. Um, and, uh, and yeah, just people that want to learn more about your story. And I'm excited to, uh, to get some FaceTime with you guys and, uh, and hear your story and, and share it with the community. Awesome. Well, I am Tiffany Williams. And of course, you've met my co-founder, Kylie Summers. I'll allow mm-hmm. him to introduce himself also um but i am co-founder and managing director for diversity fund houston mm-hmm. we are a micro venture capital fund created to invest in pre-seed and seed uh, black and brown technology founders and mm-hmm. so um kylie you want to introduce yourself also yeah uh, good afternoon uh depending on what side of the state or country you're on but i'm kylie summers the founder of uh uh, Diversity Fund Houston, I'm uh, definitely glad to, to be on with you, Joel. Thank you for inviting us uh, to share a little bit about uh, Diversity Fund Houston with your audience. Yeah, you know, excited to, uh, to learn more about, you know, your guys' mission and uh, learn more about the Houston ecosystem. I think we've got, I think we have one or two people in Houston as well. So you guys, you know, definitely try to make the connection afterwards. But, um, but let's take a step back, you know, let's learn a little more about your backgrounds um, you know, what I've been seeing a lot with the emerging manager program that I've launched, I sometimes I see this really cool slide, which is like this timeline slide. So I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, but, um, but maybe walk you walk me through the timeline of the thesis of the fund and, and, um, you know, how you guys met and, and what made you guys decide to kind of pivot from the last career that you were in, into, uh, into starting a fund and, um, and uh, kind of the ecosystem about uh, with Houston as well. I'd love to learn a little more about that. Absolutely. So Kylie Phil, who is our other uh, co-founder and myself started Diversity Fund Houston through our relationship with the Houston Area Urban League. The three of us all over the years have volunteered and mentored in some capacity. And uh, Philip was actually instrumental in starting their small business university through their entrepreneurship center. Kylie and I both went through that program at different times. Yeah. And, and the three of us through one-off separate conversations, all were talking about how we wanted to do more for our community, as well as getting to investing in some capacity. Yeah. And so with all of those different side conversations, DFH was born and the three of us just decided that we wanted to solve the problem that we were seeing in um, working with the entrepreneurs that came through that small business university. They had the same drive, the same work ethic, the same great ideas. Mm -hmm. We just didn't have access to the capital. And that's where we wanted to combat the issue and solve the problem as well as build up the confidence in those entrepreneurs to be able to walk into any space and know that they belong there. And um, so for, uh, man, almost four years now, mm-hmm. uh, because the, the three of us do have other commitments and um, we're building those other brands, Kylie, with Spendet, I have a production company, Twice Media, Philip is an attorney. Um, and so 
we had a lot of other things going on, but we 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 wanted to make this happen. And so sure. nine o'clock PM meetings going until well into midnight, mm-hmm. whenever we could get time, we were putting effort toward diversity fund. And now mm-hmm. we're really getting to that place where we're launching and we are excited about what's to come. I'm really excited for you too. Tell me a little bit about your superpowers. So, you know, you you all have different skill sets, right? You kind of told me about your professional skill sets, you know, one, one person's a lawyer, but um, you know what, you know, a step further, you know, how, how do your superpowers kind of complement each other? And as an example, like I'm a product person, right? So usually when I help uh, founders, I'll test the app and give feedback, you know, the, the, sometimes the attorney may not do that as much. Um, so tell me a little more about your superpowers and how they combine together to join forces, to be the three of you guys um, collaborating to support the founders. Yeah, I'll jump in. I just want to add a little bit about the ecosystem. Talk about the ecosystem. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I grew up in the ecosystem as a fintech founder, and uh, we we came. Well, I came through. You know, very I'd say very early on, but not too much earlier than than now. But just a few years back, and um, as a black entrepreneur going through the ecosystem, um, the, this ecosystem was immature. Yeah. Uh, it hadn't maturated as 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 well as it has have uh, today. And so it was really no places for me to go to feel the comfort, to see other entrepreneurs that look like me, to break into these networks, right? And so um, we, we had to do something uh, to help protect the black and brown community and give them opportunity. And so through my experience, um, I, I would say that is my superpower because I've been into different rooms, whether in, internal to Houston or external to Houston, um, pitching in different, uh, in different, on different stages. Mm-hmm. I met so many amazing founders, investors, uh, ecosystem builders. So I bring that, uh, I bring that into the group, yeah. um, and also I bring my experience as a fintech founder. So from a founder focus or a founder lens, mm-hmm. I can help support. Um, and I also serve as the entrepreneur resident um, uh, with the founders, right? So we can help grow and give them what they need in the very early stages because there's a lot of things yeah. that's going to be thrown at you. How do you balance those things? So taking that experience and, and really help channel uh, the entrepreneurs uh, through the early stage funding uh, is, is my superpower. Yeah. And I think what you're saying too, is, you know, maybe it's not even a single superpower, right? I mean, being a founder, you're doing everything, right? You're doing growth, you're doing marketing, you're doing sales, you're, you're, you're a product person as well. Um, and then the FinTech piece, you got to understand the FinTech customers. Um, I feel like that in itself is a superpower. And then just having empathy, being a founder already kind of re- relating to those founders, everybody can't do that. You know I mean? They say everybody, you know, it's easy to just write checks, right. But it's hard to stay up till midnight and uh, really build a product that people care about, you know, and helping the founders do that uh, before they burn through too much money. I'd say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, indeed. indeed. And, I, and I can say the same about Philip. I know he's not here to, to read speak mm-hmm. for himself, but I mean, starting and growing uh, the entrepreneurship center at the Houston area urban league, He's seen and touched so many different founders and he worked with so many different uh, uh, startup development organizations. Yeah. Uh, he, he knows the lay of the land, right? And so being able to provide direction and, and mm-hmm. being able to make connections and giving the entrepreneur that next step, right? Everybody needs to know what to do next in leading, yeah. not necessarily micromanaging or managing from that perspective, mm-hmm. but leading them to, to, the, you know, to the water, if you will. Um, and then I'll let Tiff describe her superpower because she's yeah. an amazing uh, leader. So Tiff? Absolutely. So I, being the only woman <laughs> in yeah. the group, uh, bring a little bit of Black Girl Magic to the mm-hmm. fold. And um, I, I do 
do a lot with marketing and bringing that support from my background. And um, to Kylie's point, we've all really been involved with the Houston ecosystem in some capacity. And so Kylie and I have stayed on as mentors through the Small Business University with the Urban League, but also I've mentored at other programs too, like the HCC um, Business Plan Competition and others. And I was Mm -hmm. formerly an adjunct professor at Prairie View. And so I've really been close to students and working with entrepreneurs and helping them prepare and providing that additional guidance. And so three of us together, the synergy just works. We all have our really strong suits and our superpowers, as you say, but we can merge those skills and those talents and we really just complement each other well. And I'm I'm fortunate to have a, a team as awesome as I do at DFH. Where, where do you think the founders need the most help with like every day, you know, cause sometimes it's not just about like testing the app or, you know, is it always mainly growth? Is that kind of the most critical piece or, you know, what's kind of the pattern that you're seeing that you, you just get a lot of questions or, you know, the need for support from you guys, from the founders. It's a good question. I, I think yeah. really understanding if you, if you have a, a affordable idea, right. It, can this thing grow legs? Yeah. Uh, and so, so it's, it's really about the strategy at, at, at the very early onset as, as the friends and family around, they're trying to validate an idea, trying mm-hmm. to find, you know, essentially product market fit. Um, and so have they done enough customer discoveries, right? Is this something that the market needs? So really getting through what I like to call the one-page business plan, the lean canvas, proving out all of yeah. those different uh, segments of that of that model, right? Do you have a good idea? What's the problem you're solving? What's the solution? What's your value problem? How do you go make, how will you make money, right? Mm-hmm. And so really just getting them to really understand and have those foundational principles before like we really, you know, take root and, and take on uh, an investment from a founder. Yeah, Two, also I'll add, so we're working with entrepreneurs at their raw estate. They're mm-hmm. just starting out. They're in that idea phase a lot of times, or they haven't had their business very long. And so really just working with them where they are and helping mm-hmm. build them up so that they can go on to whatever that next step is in their entrepreneurial journey. And so um, building up the confidence that they might need, that's another piece that we don't always see. And yeah. even just exposure to tech and understanding that that is a, a business that they can start something in tech or tech enabled mm-hmm. um, and not just a traditional lifestyle business as we see sometimes. So just really um, changing that ideology mm-hmm. and having that exposure and, and really just building up that confidence so that they know that they belong in any room that they walk in. Sure. And can you educate us a little more on the the organization that you guys were working with in Houston, you said it was a Houston uh, economic development uh, group. So it's kind of like an, it's an incubator for uh, funded by the government or the state. So no. So the Houston area urban league is actually an arm of the national urban league. So okay. they are a nonprofit organization that focuses on different pillars, including education mm-hmm. and job readiness, training and development and they have an entrepreneurship center at select um, chapters across the nation. Yeah. And so Houston was fortunate enough to get an EC and develop the Small Business University through that. And that's, that's the organization where the three of us met. Got it. So you guys met there and you guys were helping and mentoring and building that ecosystem. And um, are you seeing that Houston is um, uh, now with COVID and everything, they're probably moving, you know, a lot of this stuff was probably virtual. Um, but have you seen that evolve a lot, you know, with the tech ecosystem, you know, cause there's probably a lot of people, you know, kind of like Miami, right. A lot of people went back home 
um, to be with their families. So do you feel that there has been some catalyst, you know, with people coming back home more people coming, you know, wanting to get out of the big cities um, to kind of catalyze that community a little more and you yeah. know, maybe do it more virtually? Well, I can't say about coming back home because this is the most diverse city in the, in, in the country. Yeah. Uh, and every day, 200 people move to Houston. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I can't say um, if they're moving back home. But what I can mm -hmm. tell you is Houston has done an awesome job of building out the ecosystem. The mayor, uh, Sylvester Turner, he has done a good job of putting resources recruiting mm -hmm. different people and organizations to the city, uh, just really investing in the entrepreneurial ecosystem so it can be vibrant, so we can create jobs, so we can stimulate the economy. Um, yeah. It's really growing. And, and uh, we've seen a lot, of, a lot of players and organizations, national organizations come uh, take root here. Um, you know, I would say 50 cents just moved, moved to Houston. Oh, so, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's, it's been like a meme going around, but... Yeah. but these are the type of thing that's happening. We have the, the Houston Tech Rodeo. I'm not sure if you know what the Houston Tech Ro or Houston Rodeo is, but it's a mm -hmm. it's a it, it, it's a just a kind of a, a staple here that happens every year, really celebrating um, the different heritages uh, across the city. But they have a tech component now that they just rolled out. Uh, last year, I think it was the first year or two years ago, maybe in the first year, and they had Jason Calacanis. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Speaker. Yeah. And so this year they have a Master P. So the Houston is really um, pouring into the ecosystem yeah. you know, and, and making sure they invest in um, developing support, development organizations that entrepreneurs, founders can go to. And we're just a part of, you know, uh, of the arm of making sure that we can invest into some of the brightest, smartest black and brown entrepreneurs so they can, uh, you know, essentially create generational wealth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you guys are an emerging manager. I am too. And, you know, we're part of a community of emerging managers. What are your thoughts on what's happening now with just the explosion of people now starting their own funds? Because, you know, one piece is, hey, let's support entrepreneurs, build tech enabled businesses, uh, platforms, APIs, fintech companies. But now there's a lot of people starting funds. Um, are you starting to see that blow up a little more in Houston? People wanting to kind of develop their own fund thesis and, um, you know, what do we need to do to kind of stimulate that more? Because the more people are able to have funding vehicles, you know, access to non-dilutive funding, we can still, you know, we can, we can catalyze more of the entrepreneurs at scale. Um, so what are your just general thoughts and uh, observations on just the emerging manager ecosystem? Yeah, we've definitely seen a lot more funds pop up over the almost three to four years that I mentioned yeah. been in this space. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we welcome that to the market because we understand that the, the one that will benefit from it is the entrepreneur. And yeah. that's why we all started this thing. I mean, we, we really wanted to solve a problem. We feel and firmly believe that it is up to us to invest in the technology that's going to solve the problems in our community. And we can't do that if we don't have enough resources and we're at one fund, right? Yeah. And so we, we understand that other funds coming onto the market is only going to help the, the demographic that we're seeking to support. And I think we each have our own role to play, right? So we're, mm -hmm. um, you know, another fund might have different verticals that we don't support. So we can send that entrepreneur over to that fund to get what they need, or they might be later stage. So I think there's a place for us all. We just have to yeah. find our fit and make sure we do what we do really well. Yeah. And I mean, the, the funny thing is too, it's like, uh, you know, starting a fund is a business too. It's a small, it's a startup essentially, right? You're, 
you're, uh, you're thinking about product market fit. You know, there's LPs that are customers, there's, um, there's the founders that are certain customers, right? So, um, you know, as you develop your own thesis, I guess, would you guys agree that's essentially pretty much a startup in itself, right? So it's like a startup trying to help, you know, startup trying to help other startups essentially, right? That's exactly what it is. And one thing I say, it's the, either the, the ladder approach or the spiderweb approach, right? Yeah. Um, and that's what I think about, you know, you know, emerging funds, you know, starting. I think it's definitely needed. In order to get to the top of the ladder, you need each rung. Each rung is a new fund, yeah. right? And to, to Tiffany's point, there are different levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you use a spiderweb approach, it's the network effect, right? Hey, yeah. we don't support this different vertical. Um, hey, maybe this other one does, right? But at the end of the day, we're all, we're all in a weed. We're all connected. And the whole goal is to stimulate the economy by providing jobs, providing opportunities, and again, solving the problems within our community. So it's absolutely needing and we definitely uh, welcome it. And we want to make sure that within Houston specifically, that we are working with the, with the, uh, with the community at large and, and we're connected uh, to the ecosystem because we think it's important. Uh, again, my, my experience as a founder, I, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where to turn mm-hmm. yeah. to. So being able to have a map that points to, hey, this is this is where you start and this is where you can you can be. We would love to just usher, you know, the the founders uh, through that journey. Yeah, that, that's really helpful. And, you know, just double clicking a little more on uh, founders and investment thesis. You know, Kylie, as you being a fintech founder, um, you know, with the rise of all these, you know, technology solutions, consumer apps. What's your thesis on the future of finance and where fintech is heading? Woo, fintech is fintech is in a good place, right? It's just like everything else is evolving. Yeah. Um, but what, what we're seeing is the the change of the guard. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is, I believe traditional banking is going away. Yeah, uh, co- traditional consumer banking is going away, mm-hmm. right? Be- the, the, the the likes of well, there's the apples of the world um, that are stored essentially their, their own bank. You have the cash app. Uh, or Square to just then they just got their um, their banking license, if you will, to the to banking charter, right? That's banking what it charter. is. Exactly. So yeah. when you have uh, non-traditional institutions becoming their own bank, mm-hmm. what do you need a regular bank for? And they're more innovative, and they don't have mm-hmm. the red tape. They can do different things, right? And so I, I think the traditional consumer banking is changing, mm-hmm. uh, and it will change. Not to say that we won't need traditional banking, but it is definitely changing, and yeah. uh, changing the, in the, at, a, at a warp speed that. Um, that I think every fintech will have this position in the marketplace, no different from restaurants, right? It's all yeah. about what your appetite is. So that's what I think about the financial service market. And I mean, I would even say internationally, right? So company, you know, countries like Africa, India, I mean, they just leapfrogged into mobile because I mean, there's more people that have mobile phones than bank accounts, right? So um, the mobile, if you, you know, with these new startups, they don't have to connect to the old infrastructure that like the banks have, right? They get, they can just create an easier, slicker native infrastructure that's part of the, um, the, the newer modern tech stack, right? Um, so I think there's, there's even advantages to, uh, to going cross-border because a lot of them, they, they didn't have the luxury of having like ACH transfers and all that. They just went directly to, um, to, uh, to kind of the, the mobile banking. But, you know, what's even more provocative, um, you know, when we, when we move to Mars, we're not going to be able to go to a bank and, you know, set up, you know, spend time with the teller, right? So it's got to be somewhat distributed. Maybe it's, uh, you know, that's why Bitcoin could probably be borderless, right? Or some other digital currency. So, um, you know, what are your thoughts on just kind of the applications for digital currency? We heard a lot of hype in 2017. 
and now it's uh, 20, 2021 and, you know, the prices are up. So, you know, now there's all these cool, uh, you know, digital banks and you hear the same narrative. It's like, oh, you know, a world where we don't need banks anymore. You know, our phone is our own bank. Um, so, you know, what what needs to come into play? You know, have you been seeing a lot of, uh, you know, blockchain focused, uh, you know, fintech companies? And, you know, what are your what are your concerns with with that or excitement with that? I think it's definitely here to say, mm -hmm. um, I mean, you have big money or big corporations putting money behind these institutions or, yeah. or uh, behind the cryptocurrency, the smart contracts, the mm -hmm. blockchain technologies, right? It's going to be embedded in everything that we do. People yeah. want to get more granular and have more visibility of the things that happen, right? Mm -hmm. and, and for example, I knew a, 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 a shout out to Home Lending Power, just a good friend of mine is led by uh, Brian Young, uh, they, they are trying to bring transparency, transparency to the home buying process, right? So you can yeah. see all the fees, you can see the whole process, who's, um, who's a part of it. And that's, that's a part of the blockchain technology, right? Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and so as a consumer, I don't have to be wary or concerned about what fee, who's in, who's out, it's all there, you can see it. And I, so when we think about it from that perspective, it's a needed, it's a needed technology and it's, and it's smart, it's smart contracting. And so um, I think we need to continue to invest in it. And I, I think it's, it's like anything else, we have to, we have to uh, support it because it's going to be some, some loopholes, <laughs> but, yeah. but that's okay. That's a, that's a part of the digital transformation that the world that we're in, I think we need to support it and get behind it. And, and mm -hmm. we can need to continue to make investments in it because that's the way of the world. It's almost like changing from uh, the oil yeah. To, you know, this new energy. Front. Clean energy. Clean or energy. Blockbuster, blockbuster video to Netflix, right? So my, 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 <laughs> Tiffany, what is the famous quote? She, I think she coined this phrase. I may be biased, but Tiff, what's the famous quote? Let's hear it. Oh, okay. she's on mute. She's on mute. We were hyping you up and then you got on mute. Oh, oh man. Oh, man. Um, you don't want to be a blockbuster in the Netflix world. There mm. you go. No, I agree. I mean, I think... Um, there's a, so I don't know if you guys have been watching, but there's a new show on on Netflix. It's called uh, it's called Startup, and it's based in Miami. So it's uh, it's kind of like Silicon Valley, but it's a little more dark, and it's like a crypto uh, focused startup that this woman is starting. But uh, you know, check it out. You know, okay. I, I, okay. I just gave you I just gave you plans for the weekend, pretty much, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, no. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually, I read an article this morning that Houston was um, starting to be dubbed a, an emerging tech hub, which yeah. is something we've been working toward for a while. As Kylie mentioned earlier, our mayor has been working hard to uh, dub us a tech hub. And mm -hmm. um, I saw Miami was actually at the top of the list. So it's yeah. interesting that the show is based there. So I'll definitely have to check it out. I believe it. I mean, look, all these VCs are, you know, moving to Miami. What do you guys think? In five months, you know, when everybody's vaccinated, you think they're really going to stay there? You think like the, you know, the, the big VCs from Silicon Valley, the move to Miami, they, the, the ones that created the memes, you think they're going to stay there? Or you think they're going to go back and get to, you think they're going to get too much FOMO and feel like they're missing out and just go back to the Valley? No, I think, the, they, think they, so? they, they realize the world is evolving, yeah. right? For, for the good, right? Yeah. And, I, and I think uh, as long as they make alliances yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and look for emerging funds like mm -hmm. us to invest in and to, you know, uh, to help really just grow the ecosystem, I think they can still win. They can still have deal, deal sure. flow, still have first ends to to some of these uh, outstanding founders. So 
Uh, I, I don't think it'll it, 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 it be a, re, a, re, you know, a reversion back to the old. I think it, it'll just be a new uh, yeah. a new day. Yeah, and I mean, look, think about all the activity that happened in the last year. I mean, look at all the exits that happened and everybody was doing it virtually. Um, so how do you think that impacts productivity as a fund and then as a team? Do you think there is a big difference? Um, and the only reason why is I'm thinking back to my operator days when I was working in fintech. I mean, I could tap a developer and like make them make the change in real time. And I knew that like if they were working from home, I'd have to kind of keep pinging them every 30 minutes. So do you feel like there still is a need for in-person interaction, you know, as a fund and then also uh, just as a startup? I, I, I'm, I'm biased, right? Because I've, I've been working from home, uh, yeah. you know, my startup. And so I don't think so. I don't think okay. so. We saw over this last 12 yeah. to 15, 16 months, right, mm -hmm. that people have been more productive. Yeah. It's been, people have been more productive than they have in being in the office, right? But mm -hmm. you have a lot of corporations that are revert back because they need to fill the, their, their, their offices. But I mean, people have been more productive. If you give people the opportunity, the, um, what's the word, the autonomy, right, mm -hmm. to be at home with the kids, yeah. uh, to get my work done and, and, and still deliver, right? They're yeah. going to get their work done more efficient because they want to spend time with their family, their kids, and do whatever else they want. So I, 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 my vote is to say, hey, do what works best for yeah. you. I agree. I think these companies, they're going to have to um, accommodate their employees. They, mm -hmm. The employees have had a taste of you know, being able to work from home, and they're going to be looking for that. So as yeah. these companies try to stay competitive, for employees, they're going to need to offer that as a as an opportunity. I don't think that the in person um, work environment will go away completely. I yeah. think there's definitely still a need for those water cooler conversations and different things. But um, I think it's definitely going to look different, and companies mm -hmm. are going to have to adjust. Yeah. And, um, I mean, who knows? But I, th I, but I think there will be a combination of both because we've proven that, like to Kylie's point, that productivity didn't necessarily mm -hmm. go away; it went up. So. There's opportunity for companies to stay competitive. Um. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think there's studies behind this, too. I mean, if you feel mission-driven, if you feel like you truly um, believe in what the company is doing, right? Because there's a, there's a lot of science behind motivation between what makes people happy at a job, right? I mean, we're not doing this, you know... <laughs> For the money, if we wanted to do this for the money, we, we would, you know, apply to like Blackstone or something and do private equity because private equity for the hours that you put in pays more. But, you know, when you really are aligned with the mission, you're doing it for a bigger purpose and you'll check your emails on the weekend and at night because it's kind of like part of your lifestyle. And I feel like if you're constrained to clocking in and clocking out, I feel like that can be more constraining and it just feels more like work where for me, it's just like I'll, I'll respond to people on text and you know, maybe send an email, um, you know, when my wife's not looking on the weekend, you know, um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but, you know, it, it's like work-life harmony, right? That's what Jeff Bezos says, right? So if you can integrate it as part of your being, then it really isn't work. It's just kind of like, you know, trying to balance it out because maybe there's one morning where you're not doing a lot of work. Maybe you went to a, you know, you guys are doing a web show right now, right? So you're not, you know, productively, uh, you know, looking at deal flow, but, um, but you're able to kind of work it into your schedule. Right. So I think, I think if people are mission aligned, um, they'll just kind of, uh, you know, do those extra things, even in off hours. Um, and then maybe, maybe you take the afternoon off because you want to, you know, 
get a mental health break or go to the gym or something. I feel like at the end of the day, the metric should be, is there real output, right? At the end yeah. of the quarter, you know, if you clocked in from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., um, and then at 5 p.m., there's an email that goes out, God forbid, at 5.15, and you only respond like the next day, um, you know, I don't think that's productive, you know? So I think at the end of the day, it's like, we have goals. These are our like KPIs and we got to deliver these five things by the end of the quarter. Did we, or did we not, whether we work from home or whether we, you know, took like the afternoon to spend time with our kids on Friday, as long as you complete those goals, I feel like it, that's all that matters. Right. I, I agree. I, yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, what, and, and I guess Tiffany, Oh, go ahead. I think you're going to say something, Tiffany. Oh, I actually have a hard stop at one. Okay, um, no problem. The Zoom marathon of meetings today, but I do appreciate you for having me. I think Kylie can stay on a few extra minutes with you, but sure. um, thank you for the opportunity. I really yeah, appreciate thank you. Appreciate it. Um, you know, really, really excited to kind of you know reconnect. Uh, you know, in the coming weeks, and um, good luck with everything. And you know, thanks for thanks for popping in for a little bit. All right, thank you. All right, Tiff. See you in a sec. All right. See you, Tiff. And Kylie, I know you got to. I know you got to stop in a little while. So you got a few minutes for a couple of questions from yeah, the audience. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So uh, you know, just throw it out to the audience. What questions do you guys have? Let's see, Antonio. I know you. You probably got a question. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep people on their feet here. They'll probably just keep their keep the mute off and act like they didn't hear me. <laughs> but um, no worries at all. Now, so so this whole audience is mm -hmm. is an audience of uh, emerging fund managers. Some of them are emerging fund managers, and then some of them are people that are um, trying to break into VC. Mm -hmm. um, so they're trying to learn the skills of um, you know what it takes to kind of break into VC, start their own fund. Um, I guess maybe maybe a question is um, you know what what was that triggering moment? You know, you're kind of supporting that organization in Houston. Uh, what, what made you just wake up one day and be like, you know what, I need to do something about this. I need to start a fund. Tell me, tell me that moment, like, where were you? And, uh, what, what really was the, the, the nail in the coffin saying, look, you know what, this is what I got to do in 2021. That's a, that's a good question. So in 2015, I actually, um, as Tiff mentioned, we went through the program. So in 2015, I went through the program. It was a 12 week, um, you know, incubation style program where it taught us the foundations of, you know, starting your own business. Yeah. Um, and uh, after going through it and, and you know, pitching, um, I, I was like, what's next? And so mm -hmm. I'm looking around. I needed funding. I didn't know where to go. I mean, again, Houston at the time was the, the ecosystem was, was, was fragile. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, yeah. nothing was there. And so, you know, I began to just like just squander around and eventually I found some places to go. I mean, Houston Technology Center was one of them. Houston Community College was another place. And, and these, uh, the, uh, the Houston Office of Business Opportunity, these are other places they had like smaller programs and di different initiatives to support founders. And so after, you know, having that experience and, and, and working with these institutions, I was like, man, look, we need something more, right? Like it has to be a better way for entrepreneurs like myself, black, brown, what have you, to like plug into an ecosystem, you know, get, get the cultural uh, support that, that we need, right? Because let's, let's face it, you know, some of the organizations here, the investment firms, 
they're led by white males. You know, I don't have anything against white males at all. And, and in fact, we're, we're trying to work with some of them, but yeah. it was the difference being so new to this mm-hmm. first generation. Like it was just a whole different, uh, it was this whole different feel. And so um, th- those accumulative uh, thoughts and experiences really was the, the impetus of like, yeah. look, like how can we do this? I've sure. met, a, I met, a, I met a lot of people, um, and, and I've, I've seen, seen some of the work. And so like, how can we put this to work? And of mm-hmm. course, Philip and Tiffany, they had their own experiences. It was like, yeah. it's time to do this and let's bring let's, let's really bolster our ecosystem. And so that's, that's really it. Yeah. It just kind of compounded over time. And then it, it just kind of turned into fate because you met the right people to, um, to build this with you. Yeah, so absolutely. Really and Phil was a, a lawyer too. And so yeah, he, that helps. he understand the kind Those of legal the, fees are expensive. <laughs> the legal fees, actually, we, I mean, we do, we do have a, a legal team, yeah. but just to, just to be able to understand it from a legal side. Yeah really helps right and even so, with the term sheets you know a lot of those term sheets the devil is in the details right so if you have at least an attorney reviewing it they may understand so even though that you know if he's not a securities attorney or if he's not a fund focused uh attorney you know just having somebody that can read those and maybe raise some red flags of things yeah. that you're going through you know it helps definitely and just even contracts too right if you want to do contracts with the founders or do other partnership agreements you know having somebody in-house that has that uh, skill set, you know, definitely can help. So. And, and another thing I would say, Tip, tip you know, gave you one word when she mm-hmm. talked about confidence, right? How do we evoke confidence into a community who's yeah. who's not necessarily given opportunities at this very early idea stage, right? We, we don't have the rich uncles. We, we our, our net worth is, is zero dollars, you know, yeah. compared to our counterparts, right? And so, you know, how do we invoke that confidence? One is through mm-hmm. the capital, um, but, but the other one is how do we invoke trust, Right. Yeah. And that, that comes through relationship that comes with networking. But if you if you don't know where to go, right, that you're not going to get that. Mm-hmm. Or do you find a place to go and doesn't people don't look like you and you feel like you don't belong, right? It's yeah. almost like an imposter syndrome. By creating those communities, creating the culture, we can invoke that 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 trust yeah. and, and and really instill the confidence that's needed to to let entrepreneurs be creative. And mm-hmm. I think it's it's really about, and I hate to even say this because it sounds such, so, so bad, but a, a, allowing the space and opportunity for founders to fail. Not that, that we expect them to fail or we yeah. want them to fail, but the reality is, you know, one in 10 businesses, you know, they do, they, you know, they fall, they, yeah. they, they, they don't make it, right? And so, but black and brown needs the same opportunities as, as our counterparts. And so mm-hmm. that, that's why investment, um, investing at a very early stage is very critical for us. Yeah. I actually had a long discussion yesterday with Ife who raised his hand. You know, he's also thinking about raising his fund. You know what? You know, I don't feel like we're there yet for uh, black and brown founders to just really move the needle. Right. To catalyze all the emerging managers. Right. So how much work you still think needs to be done to really get us to that point, right? To kind of level up. Um, so that's my question. Then Ife, I'll let you just follow up um, real quick with that. But, you know, what else do we need? You know, we got some emerging manager programs, you know, they've got um, some of these communities for the diverse emerging managers, but, um, you know, with LPs getting the right people to back us, uh, you know, what else do we need? That's a loaded question, yeah. and I wish I had yeah. the, the magic. A big check. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. If money would necessarily yeah. solve it, right? Because yeah, not, I think yeah. the, the other part to that is the relationships. Yeah. And if you look at most of these orgs, I was look, looking at. Uh, I was reading an article, and he talked about 
um, uh, what are those uh, funds? It's a um, so it's a fund that that hasn't had had a change in, in, in the guard. It's a pension funds. They haven't yeah. had a guard. It's white male dominated, right? And so, well, who money are they managing, right? It's it's like it's it's our money. It's the community, yeah. like, and so it's like if if that is a part of it. If we talk about various dollars and diversity, mm-hmm. how do we continue to you know change up the old guard and invite black and brown women into these? power player positions. Yeah. Um, I think that within itself is one change that needs to continue to happen. We're starting to see some of that. Yeah. So the leadership and the asset management essentially needs to have a mandate to have more leaders yeah. um, to represent those communities. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Because it's a, it's a trickle down effect. Yeah. It's a trickle down. You know, who's going to be the LP? If we're going to yeah. institutions asking for capital mm-hmm. and, you know, it's nobody that's black or understand the community I come from. Yeah. Right? They may not see that as a problem where if it was somebody black or brown in that position, they, Oh yes, I know exactly what this problem is. I know exactly what infrastructure needs to be in place. Here's founders are doing it. Hey, we want to write the check. It makes yeah. a big difference. We it typically tend lean ourselves to the things and people that we know. And mm-hmm. that's just human nature, right? No, I not agree. that I say that it's discriminatory, but that's just, we just tend to go with the things that we, you know, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, no, totally, totally good feedback. And, and uh, so true. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, Ife, uh, you got a you got a question? Yeah, yeah. Hey, sorry guys, I've had some connectivity issues. So apologies if you've already covered this. But my question was just to do with starting your your new fund. Like, what has actually been the most challenging thing that you've encountered? Just yeah, pretty much straight up and down. Uh, is, there, I mean, is there one thing you can say or is it a number of things? It's a number of things, but I'm going to leave you yeah. with this. It's, 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 yeah. right. it's, it's now we're in the thick of raising the fund, yeah. right? You know, we, we are uh, looking for those LPs yeah. uh, and it's getting people to, to say, it, are they going to do what they said they're going to do, yeah. right? Now, do they have the fortitude to make this happen? Um, and so we did a really good job of comprising um, our advisory team, advisory board, um, really engaging the community, engage the mayor. We built, you know, uh, essentially uh, support and credibility very early on. Mm-hmm. And so that that really helped us. Um, yeah. And now the next step is now going to LPs. And it, that has been a challenge. One, because as emerging fund managers, we don't necessarily have all those relationships. Um, and so we're leaning on our board to help us yeah. with that. We, you know, we have a fundraising committee. And so um, those are some of the things that uh, have been very challenging. Yeah. And we're still working through some of those things. How is the LP community in Houston? Has that been a good place to, um, you know, have community building opportunities with LPs? Or do you have to kind of really extend outside and, you know, look at other bigger cities? Or is it, um, is it a pretty good community there for LPs and do they have, uh, you know, with your advisory board, do they have the kind of ecosystem where they can kind of connect LPs with, with emerging managers? Yeah. So, I mean, Houston is a rich city, yeah. um, you know, it's built, built, built on oil and gas and yeah. uh, a good advisory uh, sure. board and, and to have those, you know, those relationships with, yeah. uh, with all aspects of the community. And mm-hmm. so even organizations, uh, you know, have, you know, have, you know, open up their philanthropic arm and yeah. um, investment arm. And so uh, we're tapping into it. So right now, yeah. for now, we're within the Houston ecosystem t- section on this LP, activating capital is really, you know, some people just don't even know. They're, they yeah. have the money sitting in the bank, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they could, they can be a little bit risky. Yeah. 
how do we activate that capital? How do we teach people how to become yeah. angel investors that who, you know, folks that are high net worth individuals? How do you activate that? So it's yeah. our ecosystem again, you know, you know, credit goes out to the mayor. He's really pushing it you know, to make sure that it's, you know, all four yeah. corners are, are uh, being accounted for. Mm-hmm. We're doing some teaching, activating angels. We're doing yeah. some teaching, you know, recruiting different organizations that, that want to be LP. So um, I think it's a, it's a blitz on everything, Joel, to really yeah. make Let's brainstorm together. I'm happy to support you guys in any way, um, especially with the emerging manager program that, that I have. Um, I'm passionate about this mission. I mean, I was really inspired with the, um, the one hour talk with Harlem Capital and Jason Calacanis. I don't know if you saw that, but I mean, you're right. There's a new LP, which is the corporates, right? I mean, Apple now has the capability to write checks to these funds to, uh, to support those missions. And especially in Houston, right? There's all those big, big companies, uh, Shell, you know, Shell Oil, a lot of these corporates, um, that could that could definitely put those dollars to to use with you know the the mission that you have. So I'm excited to um, to to be new friends with you guys and support you guys in any way I can. And and um, and yeah, thank you for supporting us. You know, kind of with your mentorship and uh, and sharing your story. I think it's really helpful and good learning for us. So indeed, man, I, I really appreciate you inviting Diversity Fund Houston on. Uh, it's more it's more for us to learn, more for us to grow, but at the end yeah. of the day, uh, it's a community, right? And we won't be as good as we are without the community and people uh, surrounding us. So let's stick together and let's grow together. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Kylie. I know you got to run. Um, and everybody else, you know, have a good afternoon. And, you know, Kylie, let's catch up soon. Okay. Thank All you. Right. Take care. Bye.